Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Gamer Heroes, a Heroes Podcast Network production. Each episode, we discuss the latest gaming news, and then bring on a guest or two for an in-depth discussion on specific games, franchises, and more. It's game time. Greetings, programs, and welcome back to Gamer Heroes. I am your host, Derek. Thank you for joining us this week for our big topic, The Last of Us Part 2 from Naughty Dog. This is a big episode for all of you. We go almost two hours on this topic alone, so we don't even cover all of the ground that we wanted, and we hope that you really enjoy this detailed, in-depth conversation. It even gets maybe a little heated at times when while we talk about the narrative, particularly towards the end of the game. So lots of cool stuff ahead. But before we move to that conversation, we, of course, have our news segment we had a ton of news a few weeks ago, but you know, that stuff's all passed at this point. So hopefully you've heard all about that kind of stuff. If not, Hey, you know, it's out there and you can talk to me. We can talk about that stuff. You can find me at gamer heroes pod on Twitter, but we do have two key pieces of news from this past weekend's DC fandom, which was DC comics and DC entertainments like personal convention that they did online. It was all virtual pre-recorded stuff. And we got two video games to look at from DC fandom. The first is Gotham Knights. Gotham Knights is a game that is actually coming next year in 2021 for both next gen, meaning PS five and Xbox X series, as well as current gen Xbox one and PS four. This game does not follow the Arkham storyline. This is a separate universe, takes place uh, a little bit in the future. Batman is killed and you have to take on the the criminals of Gotham as one of four different Bat Universe characters. You have Barbara Gordon's Batgirl, you've got Nightwing, Red Hood, and Red Robin. And all four of these characters are playable in the game. Their abilities, their suits, they get upgraded as you play. And it even will host at least a two-player co-op. So that way you can play with a friend, which is really cool. The, they have gameplay footage out there as well as a trailer cinematic. The gameplay shows two people playing together. It looks like, uh, well, primarily it was Batgirl and then Red Robin. The game looks super cool. One of the main villains, if not the main villain, is Mr. Freeze. He has a whole new design that's much more complex than what we're used to seeing. The game looks outstanding, and all of the gameplay footage is pre-alpha. So I'm very much looking forward to this game. I'm really excited about it. It just looks badass, and I can't wait to play. And the fact that I can play it with my wife is just that much cooler. The second game 
does take place in the Arkham universe. So that would be, you know, the Arkham uh, trilogy, you know, as well as Arkham Origins. Um, It's called Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. It is a four player co-op online co-op game featuring Harlequin, Boomerang, King Shark and Deadshot. And the four of you will have to take on the Justice League. The cinematic that we got is pretty cool. You know, we get to see these new incarnations of the characters and I, I like them. Design work is really solid. King Shark looks amazing. And there's an evil Superman afoot. So I assume that we will be fighting the main Justice League members, Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, you know, uh, Green Lantern, Flash, Hawkgirl, maybe Zatanna. I mean, who knows, right? We really just know Superman at this point. And we know that those are the four characters you'll be playing as with online co-op available to you, which is pretty cool. There's some really great uh, custom like moves these people will have. Deadshot has a jetpack. That's pretty neat. There was no gameplay footage as this game is slated for 2022. So it's a little ways off and I assume it will be next gen only. But, you know, who's to say right now? We really don't know. But these two games sound super cool. So if you're curious about either of them, Gotham Knights comes out next year and Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League comes out in 2022. Hope you are interested in those like I am. I'm looking forward to it. All right, well, that's all that I have for news, mainly because this episode is so long. We go for an hour and 50 minutes on this topic of The Last of Us Part Two, and we don't even finish the conversation in as much detail as I would have liked. It's it's a huge game, right? This game took me just over 29 hours to complete myself, and it's very fresh in my mind. Uh, I made sure to finish it really close to when we were recording. So this is our spoiler cast for The Last of Us Part Two. I hope you enjoy it. We'll be right back. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. And we are back. And I am here with my two returning guests who were with me when we discussed the Bioshock collection earlier this year. They are Morgan Simone. Hello. It's me. And Zach Story. Hey, good to be back together with you guys. Absolutely. And we are here to talk about another dark franchise. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're definitely not all sunshine and rainbows here on, on Game of Heroes. Definitely not when the three of us get together. No. <laughs> Almost no sunshine and rainbows. It's all pretty abysmal. No, I thought this was, I thought we were reviewing Fall Guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even like understand what that is yet. So it's, <laughs> uh, I play Mario Party. Um, <laughs> hey, to be fair, Mario Party is pretty dark. Many a friendship have died as a result of Mario. That Party. is very true. true. That's true. 
Well, instead, we are here to talk about Naughty Dog's The Last of Us Part 2, though we may reference Part 1 from time to time as, as needed. But we're here to talk about Part 2. So this consider this your spoiler warning. This is a spoiler cast. Um, so if you haven't played it and you really care about the narrative, it's kind of fair game at this point, though we're going to focus on lots of different things. Just quick intro for the game for people. So the game came out earlier this year on June 19th of 2020. It is uh, a Naughty Dog game for PS4. It's an exclusive. It was originally slated to come out in February, but got delayed till May and then got delayed again because of COVID. Um, and so we finally got it in, in June and we're doing this about two months out. So you've had about two months to, to play the game before we've started talking about it. Big, big development. At one point, all 350 or so of Naughty Dog's people were working on this game at the same time. So this was a pretty massive undertaking for them. Uh, it was completed at home in a work from home initiative because of COVID, which is you know, a, a relatively newer concept for big AAA studios. The actors that we'll be talking about did not, not just did they do the motion capture and the voice work, but they did them together as if they were doing like film motion capture and voice work, which is pretty sophisticated. And this is the fastest selling PS4 exclusive for its opening weekend. It sold over 4 million copies its opening weekend or premiering weekend, which like crushes its competition. Second place was Spider-Man with 3.3 million and then God of War with 3.1, and this was over four. Wow. Yeah, pretty huge. Uh, it's currently the biggest launch weekend of any game this year, both physical and digital, and is the third highest grossing PlayStation game in the United States, which is pretty big. Of course, it's brought to us by Neil Druckmann, Druckmann who uh, did the first game and worked on multiple Uncharted projects, uh, started at Naughty Dog way back, in 2004, and it was co-written by Haley Gross. So uh, it takes place five years after the first game. So five years have passed since Ellie and Joel found Tommy and, and his little getaway uh, Jackson, um, and that's that's where we left them. So, all right, that's where we are. And it's Naughty Dog, so the, you know, the people who brought us Crash Bandicoot as a kid uh, are now bringing us a uh, real trauma as adults just real heart-wrenching crying yeah. in your living room yeah who knew the crash bandicoot people had it in them <laughs> right i also had a quick question so the jackson in last of us 2 is it at a different location than the first one was because like i was trying to like piece it so. together in my brain and it just looks completely different because the jackson in the first game was in like a like a work site that looked looked kind of like prison like Mm -hmm. an industrial and then we never see really like an industrial setting for mm. the new jackson it's supposed to be the same place but that's interesting i guess maybe they changed the design of it during the second game it makes sense it's different i think they changed the design but i also think after five years and like they had to take on more people that they probably uh, adjusted as such because mm -hmm. you get the sense like this feels like an old wild west civilization yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think it's supposed to be the same Jackson um, where we, we left off, and it's just a, a five-year jump. Now, we do get some flashbacks, so we get to see some of the time in between. Um, yep. If I really have any complaint at all, it's that I really wish they'd be a little bit harder on telling us like when, when things are taking place. Absolutely. 
as the game progresses, I kind of lost track of when flashbacks were, mm-hmm. you know, but like they did certain things were really good. Like Abby had her ponytail, her braided ponytail that would change in length, uh, depending on when it took place. So that helped a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then like Ellie's like, um, tattoos would be mm-hmm. in different variations of being finished, mm-hmm. which I thought yeah. was awesome. Also, I did have a comment um, after I finished playing my playthrough. I watched uh, Jacksepticeye on YouTube play it, and he made a really, really good point that um, he feels, and I now feel, that the start of the game should have been the flashback with Joel and Ellie at the museum. And when mm-hmm. she uh, closes her eyes to like visualize space and everything, um, and when she opens them, it should open on Ellie waking up instead of Joel telling the story, which I like, I get why they did that because yeah. they needed like a, like a previously on, but I think like <laughs> that would have been just a very seamless kind of transition to kind of like reinforce what their relationship was to how it is now, which I mm. think was like, would have been like a really, really good, like kind of kick in the gut. I hadn't thought about that, but that's cool. I get why they start with Joel because it was very much like you play as Joel in the first game for the most part, Mm -hmm. excluding the DLC. So it was kind of a passing of the baton. Like you start with Joel and the gut wrenching reminder of the choice that he made at the end of the first game. And, and and it kind of like gets handed off to her. And so I respect that transition, but I I hadn't heard that other idea. I I like that idea as a a cool, unique starting point for this, this game. Yeah, and if you, like, ever wanted to, like, see that, he has it on, like, his, like, ending kind of, like, review on it on his channel, which he, his editor kind of uh, cuts it together in that way, which I think is, like, visually seeing it was very much like a, wow, shit, that would have been amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it works for Ellie's side of the story, but they tried to mirror her and Abby, and I think the flashbacks are kind of required in the style in which they do the rest of the game. That's fair. Right, so it would have been a good opening, but I think it would have caused the first half of the game to be out of balance with the second half of the game. Right, I may have cited a little bit with Ellie anyways, which I did for a long time, but. Oof, that was, oof. (laughs) Very, very hard transition and a lot of mental gymnastics went into that. It was a painful game to play. Like, let's just be honest. Like, this was yeah. like it was it was fun and exciting, and it, it, the gameplay was fantastic. But uh, yeah, I, I, it was difficult. Like, it was emotionally taxing. It's not it an causes easy you to question game. yourself. No, you can play it on the easiest setting, but it's emotionally not an easy game. I was gonna say it's not easy in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a very difficult game. But like, as in, like, if you want to, like, just take a break and shut off from this world that we're in be like yeah let's play this game don't um yeah if you're already just experiencing a lot of trauma versus like from like the world that we live in now it's not a game to jump to to like relieve that it's like a oh shit no i'm more questioning everything now (laughs) um yeah i mean so i guess let's just kind of dive into the the core of this then we'll we'll talk about game mechanics and things like that as well but from like a narrative perspective so the the focus of the game of course right yes remember we've already done our spoiler warning here is that uh joel is killed tortured and killed by abby and her group of wolf friends and um tommy and ellie are kind of left 
behind, which is uh, no pun intended with the DLC for the first game. But um, and they decide, of course, to enact revenge. Um, it's, I mean, yeah. So they they want to enact revenge. So they go after Abby and her core group, uh, who are uh, in Seattle. So the first half of the game, so to speak, is the first three days in Seattle, really, uh, before you switch over to Abby's side. And then you get to play as Abby and everything that she goes through uh, shortly after the, the death of Joel, maybe a couple of months. And uh, you get to meet a bunch of the wolves and you see what Seattle is like and how they're handling things. You're introduced to the, more heavily to the Scars or the Seraphats, as, as they're also called. You, you, you see her relationship with, with a couple of them. And then you kind of do a back and forth uh, at the very tail end of the game. So the idea, of course, being that there's two sides to every story and that in this type of world, maybe nobody is all good or all bad. Yeah. And the decisions that you make, you know, define Absolutely. who you are. Right? I mean, that's true of, of any world, I guess. Not just yeah. this world, but like... I think I think a lot of us grew up with video games being very black and white. Like I'm Mario, you're Bowser, fuck you, and yeah. that's it. So, <laughs> like I think video games are now starting to reflect a very real world ambiguity, and that's what we see here. And I think it's extremely important, especially in this day and age where we're in a very very politically polarizing time, and so it kind of like makes you live through this person who you've empathized with and been with for a while, Ellie and Joel, through the first game and then the first half of, well, the first, like, fourth of the game, and then it's ripped apart. And, of course, as a player, you're angry. But then when you switch to Abby, one, at first you don't, you're like, I don't care about this person. Why am I here? But then Mm -hmm. you slowly realize the other side of the coin and i think it oh good metaphor given that abby collects coins i didn't think of that that would have been really clever <laughs> i'm giving you all the credit you were super clever thank you thank you yes i am <laughs> um you're right i am um and it kind of reminds you that like every decision someone makes has a reason and to judge a decision you have to know the person behind it and what leads them to that, make that decision. So I think it helps you, has you slow down and reassess people just as fully functional, diverse, complex beings instead of a gut reaction of like, you're good or I'm good, you're bad, which I think is extremely important right now. Yeah, I agree with you completely, um, which, which is why I think the end of the game kind of falls apart a bit for me because the main core of the game makes this point and i think it does an incredible job of you know humanizing abby and all of her friends and what they did and why what joel did was wrong and how you know maybe he did deserve some form of justice he probably you know he didn't deserve to be tortured necessarily but um, you know it is hard to argue by the end of the game that you know abby wanted him dead yeah, that's, that's a yeah. You know, hard thing to be like. Well, no, like, well, I mean, he did like murder her doctor fa- father in cold. Who could blood. be the only yeah. one who could create a cure? And right. well, so don't, that's true, but I don't think Abby cares about that, so I don't want to add Absolutely. that to her side, True. so to speak, because I think it's just coincidental. Yeah, 
Yeah, for her, it's, I mean, and that's the thing, like, whether you're playing as Ellie or you're playing as Abby, both of them are clearly not in this for the big picture. This is all short-term, I need justice, I need catharsis, and I need it now. Like, fuck this other person, they wronged me, and I don't give a shit about their ideals or the big picture or or, or the world that we're living in, because that's just a normal world for them. Like, they're accepting that they live in a world with these you know the zombies and and they've they've evolved i guess to uh survive that world so that doesn't matter to them as much as like okay like you fucking hurt someone that i love and now i'm gonna Uh end you like you killed my father figure (laughs) prepare to die prepare to die (laughs) (laughs) absolutely yeah no i'm completely with you and i think that you know it's hard to have a big picture goal at this point right? I mean, the Fireflies tried to have one, right? Yes. They were trying to find a cure, even if it meant having to kill a child to get it. They were thinking big picture. They were thinking, you know, finding a cure, thinking ahead, thinking for the future. But, you know, nobody else is, it seems to be really doing that, except for maybe the Scars. Mm. Yeah. You know, they've built this society that was really on their own, um, on their island, and you know, they, the, the, the truce was broken in what seemed like more of a misunderstanding on both sides than anything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty clear that the wolves would rather exterminate them, which they basically do over the it's... course of the game. Whereas the Seraphites yeah. don't want that. They just want to be left alone. Yeah. They just want to be with their new world, which is right. technically very old world. You never meet their leader in person, but you encounter the memory of her and you encounter her legacy very frequently throughout the game. And she is a very uh, charismatic and compelling character, uh, just even in memory. And um, people have a hard time disagreeing with her worldview, her ideology. And I think that's important to address. Like Like the, sorry. No, no, go ahead. That was was the end of my thought. Uh, Like the, I'm a big avid, note reader especially in last of us um but around the um like the impact the like original site where uh the scar the seraphite leader was turned into a martyr um Mm -hmm. there's a note that basically is from the wolves that like had to guard her and he's basically saying i originally thought she was crazy but now what she's saying makes a lot of sense. And so you can see how, like you said, charismatic and how people are just drawn to her and to what she's saying and how reasonable what she's saying is. Mm -hmm. I'm sad we never got to meet her. And I think that was part of the point. Exactly. Well, because it's basically a religion, right? That they've Mm -hmm. created circling around, centering around her. Like she's more or less their Jesus type character. Yeah. Right. And I think it's, the Seraphites are the perfect example of a modern, like Judeo-Christian here today. In that there's the texts, right? There's you know, the the initial teachings versus what people do in the name of those mm-hmm. things, Absolutely. right? And how those things are sometimes very different. Um, and so, you know, when we talk with Lev and Yara, we learn a lot about what they be- like, what the teachings are, what the writings are, what this you know woman really taught, and what she spoke. Versus, you know, what Abby and the wolves have seen from yeah. you know, the, what they call the scars. And to be fair, they, they do some brutal stuff to their own people. It's why Lev and Yara are running away to begin exactly. with. Exactly. That storyline yeah. of between Lev and Yara and how 
slowly you kind of key into certain things with them, I think was masterfully done. Like the yeah. way they built that and it wasn't just like heavy handed in, in your face. It was like someone, it was basically like, you were living that situation and how actual people who don't really know you would slowly come to trust you and slowly let things slip. And it wasn't like, here's the exposition in your face, you know? And I just yeah. really, really loved that. Mm-hmm. Like I-, I love survival horror. I- so I love last of us. I love resident evil. And I've been recently replaying through like a few months ago, I played through the remake of two. I replayed through the remake of three. I recently finished four and and the stories are just they are bad and the dialogue is cheesy <laughs> and it just sucks like the gameplay is fun it's and bad. i still i still love those games but it is a stark comparison to play a different survival horror franchise um like last of us where the characters and the relationships all feel real the world feels real Exactly. I think one of the smartest things that this franchise does between both games is provide multiple types of enemies outside of the clickers. Yes. Right? Of the infected. Because it could have been, it could have just been a zombie game, right? Mm-hmm. You fight infected, you fight clickers, and as they evolve, whatever, right? You, that's all you fight. But they yeah. don't do that in either game. Right, you've got these little gangs that are that are built up in different city areas. You've got the wolves, you've got the fireflies, the seraphites. You have all of these different groups, and they all have their own people they're trying to protect, their own resources they're trying to protect, their own ideologies, and that's Absolutely. much more deep and complex than just like mindless zombies that you shoot. Yeah, these monsters, right. which is like kind of them showing like kind of very Scooby-Doo-ish, like, the real monsters are humans. And mm-hmm. yeah. that's completely true. Like, I, w- I am more terrified of what humans can do to each other than any, like, metaphorical uh, urban myth monster creature because people are brutal and people are horrible and yeah. people are capable of anything. And that's a huge thing of, I feel like, how... I feel like a lot of people need to know that. I'm like I'm a big true crime person because I like to know what people are capable of and in these two games they really really kind of show what people can be pushed to or what people just like to do like the cannibals and yeah. at the end of the first game and I mean, I mean and um in this game the rattlers for exactly. example yeah, you know, the, we're, they're just enslaving people to to grow like crops and things like that, and you know, are ch- yeah. purposely trying to ensnare and trap people throughout California just to run their little camp. Like, you know, they're I mean, they're probably like painted as the worst people mm-hmm. in this particular game because sure. the other three main groups at the end of the day are just you know they think they're just protecting themselves, whereas the rattlers are just out in the open. We're just enslaving people. Yeah, like, yeah. we don't really care who sees us because we are powerful, we're more powerful than you, so, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And I feel like from both a story perspective and from a gameplay perspective, both of these games did a really good job of making you feel like there's very real consequences. So when you're slowly choking someone to death, it's uncomfortable, especially it's early so on in the game. Yeah, you're like, I don't like that I'm doing this, but also I'm trying to survive. I've got objectives to meet. I've got a game to play. And and clearly killing this person silently is in my benefit. But those long deaths, especially before you are able upgrade your <sighs> abilities to like quicken that process, that's painful. Yeah. Um, 
it's cringy it in the sounds they make and it's so it's so human which it's i think so is real. so important in this game because while you're either stabbing someone in the throat or choking them out like the gasps and the gurgles they make and they're pleading to you like it yeah. it's human and it's necessary because if it's if we didn't have that it would just kind of be like a shooter like a normal shooter like a very um uncharted kind of like just mowing down enemies just because yeah mm -hmm. And on a like on a similar note, but a, but a more optimistic twist of it, um, it was a very intentional point uh, in the game design for both of these games, especially the second one, that like you get to hold things in your hand and rotate it and move it. And so whether you're Abby finding a card, you can shine a light on it and like move it around and like flip it over, or your Abby, or I'm sorry, I said Ellie. <laughs> I meant to say Ellie the first time. <laughs> Ellie is finding the comic book uh, character cards. Abby finds the coins and like the fact that like the developers thought you know what I want to make the game player like person who's playing this game like hold this in their hand and the hand's going to look super realistic the coin or card is going to look realistic and they're going to get to hold that and that is a a tactile way to get us as gamers invested in that world to make it feel more real even I and mean, even outside that like when Abby before Abby left on her uh no, I'm sorry not Abby before Ellie in the game, <laughs> I know I'm gonna I'm gonna mess it up a lot because I love both these characters and I'm super attached. I love both um, of them. But um, before Ellie left on her mission, like she's going through Joel's house and she's picking up his stuff and she's holding oh. it in her hands and like that, like it's gut wrenching and it's more gut wrenching because the game design says here, hold this in your virtual hand and rotate it however you see fit because mm -hmm. this is the real world and you're gonna fucking feel all of the real feelings even if they're not great yeah absolutely and um on the on piggybacking onto that of the, the coins and the cards i really like how they changed the collectibles to the character um i do wish that they kind of like had like when you're playing as ellie kind of had some coins scattered around that you could like pick up to kind of like tie to tie them two together and even when you're abby when you're picking up coins i wish they're like a car that you're like, oh, if I was Ellie, I would love to get that. Um, which <laughs> I think would have been, cool. been really nice because you're just like, oh, dang it. I need that card. But like, Abby could care less about the card. She wants the coins as memory for her father. So yeah. I just, I think it'd be like a really fun, like tie in for that. So you could like pick them up and kind of interact with them. Like, okay, whatever, man, money's not a thing anymore. If you were Ellie or like, who collects these stupid cards if you're Abby? Because Abby mm -hmm. is very practical and yeah. where Ellie is very whimsical and she's kind of searching for those escapes of life before. Yeah. Yeah. Go, going back to kind of like how like grounded and difficult parts of the games are, I think probably the hardest thing for me was like having to kill some dogs. Because uh, yes. uh, <laughs> yeah. like I tried for a little while to not do it because Same. it bothered me a lot. But like I just sometimes you just have well first off in narratively there's one dog you you're, you don't have a choice you don't really have any control yeah. you have to right when ellie shows up at the aquarium um yeah like you just like you don't even have a choice there and in the rest of the game it's still pretty difficult there's certain areas where you can sneak around and avoid altogether but you're also 
that's also when you can avoid the humans too. You're pretty much stuck. If you can't avoid the humans, you can't avoid the dogs. Exactly. Right. Because as soon as you kill their master, you have to kill them. And most yeah. areas, you have to clear everything in your path or you're fucked. And mm -hmm. like, so like towards the end in the epilogue, when you're going, when you're in Santa Barbara and you're trying to go to the prison camp, um, when you're on, when you get to the train tracks and there's like that villa at first that you, yeah. you when you get the silenced uh, machine gun. Oh, um, I loved that, by the way. And I, I killed everybody before the dog, hoping that if I killed literally everybody before the dog, that maybe the dog would eventually go off and do its own thing. So I straight up yeah. hid in a train car, <laughs> hoping the dog would just like wander off at some point. But no. <laughs> <laughs> the game makes you feel it. And it's, it's. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch -ch -chumba. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Painful. I mean, yeah, it's, just, it's also just kind of. I don't know, like, that felt sometimes a little forced Yeah. Mm -hmm. in certain ways because I feel like these dogs would also have to be familiar with too many people to just attack and kill anybody who shows up that isn't one of them. Seemed just maybe a little too convenient. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I really tried. So I'm curious. So I try very hard to be stealthy more often than not. Um, even trying so much as to like avoid confrontation altogether and just leave people alive in certain areas. How did you guys approach <laughs> the game? And did you do it differently depending on who you were playing as? Because for example, with Abby, you have to craft the shiv and it's a temporary item. Whereas with Ellie, it's not. It, you yeah. just have it. I definitely, I like being stealthy because I like the accomplishment of it. Mm -hmm. and like sneaking around and feeling cool because I as like as an individual am not sneaky and stealthy I am clumsy as I'll get out and will clatter and <laughs> do everything and alert everyone so I like being able to be a sneaky character so I found myself actually being more stealthy with Ellie um because I was used to it um Ellie is a character that you've played with and around and in the dlc you played as so like i found myself being more inclined to being stealthy with ellie and be more disappointed if people were alerted and they had to like go full tactical and just like just kill people but with abby i, tr I even tried to be stealthy with her but she's very tank-like where ellie is more rogue-ish yeah. so um if like Abby is a fighter, Ellie is Ellie is a fighter in her own way, but Al Abby is like, no, I'm just gonna punch you in the face until you die. She's a brawler, yeah. Exactly. 
And so I felt more inclined to play a little off the cuff with her. Like I, like I said, I still like being stealthy because that's just a me thing. And um, I fall into the trap of being too, having too much bravado and going like full force and then being slaughtered every single time. And then being like, okay, yeah, no, I really need to, need to slow it down. <laughs> yeah, I was the same way. I was more stealthy as, as Ellie than I was with Abby. Um, but even with Abby, I tried to be more stealthy. But again, Abby starts off with a uh, much better weapons. She's much she more does. Of a, a brawler and a tank, and and the gameplay kind of forces you into that because early on in Abby's campaign, you're forced to get aggressive, uh, and that's just indicative of who that character is. So and how she's built. Yes, absolutely. But again, I I didn't want to kill the dogs ever, but like. And that's the thing, like, whether it's the first game or the second game, um, there's a turning point, and I don't know, I, I couldn't tell you where it happened for me, whether it was the first game or whether it was Ellie's campaign or Abby's campaign in the second game, but there is a turning point where eventually you are in survival mode, and you are just so desensitized to the death around you that you're like, fuck it, people have to die because I have to keep going. And yeah. Then, like, and then when you realize that you're playing under that mentality, for me at least, I'm like, oh, like, what am I learning about myself that I don't like? <laughs> See, I don't think I hit that point. I don't think I ever got there. I don't know if I got there in the first game until the DLC. Because um, the DLC, it was just very different. Um, but uh, in the second game, I definitely got there about halfway through each campaign where I'm like, nope, I value person I'm playing as right now their survival more than anything else and so I'm gonna do what is best and resources are scarce so I'm gonna do what I can to survive and and I didn't feel good about that especially on Abby's run because on Abby's run I'm like oh like I love Abby now and I'm doing what it takes for Abby to survive but like 15 20 hours ago I was doing whatever it takes for Ellie to survive and that is very counterintuitive to Abby's survival and the survival of people that she cares about so here I am now, like, fighting for Abby, and I'm doing some stuff that Ellie would not approve of. To kind of piggyback off that, I think because resources are so scarce that I purposely tried to avoid confrontation when possible to save, like, bullets or arrows or, um, or anything, you know, like that. Just to conserve all of my resources, I would purposely try and not kill people to just not spend anything. But like, how how often was that possible? Because you either have to do stealth kills or you have to do you have to do like full on kills. assault kills. Yeah, there's a good there's some good spots where if you're patient, you can sneak through, and maybe you have to kill one person, but mm -hmm. you certainly don't have to kill all like ten. Um, and it definitely happens in some of the clicker situations where if you oh. can find the path that you need to follow and just run, you can make it out of there without actually having to fire a shot or throw a punch. Well, that's true. That's what I did when, you know, when, um, when you're playing as Abby and you're leaving Lev and Yara and then you have that, like, the, um, like the storage container maze that you come back yeah. through and you fight the um, mm -hmm. Seraphites, Seraphites. But, like, there's just so many just clickers and runners and everything and I just kind of like looked around I'm like I don't have the resources 
let's just fuck it and run and yeah and i and i did it and it was like really kind of like i kind of felt bad because i like finding all the collectibles and like finding everything as much as supplies as i can but it was more like of a i've died five times here let me just run <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah well there was an ellie moment like that too where you're in the subway and Ooh. um my strategy for that was to make sure that the clickers were killing the um the wolves mm-hmm. and oh you mean like when you're um it's the subway where all the spores are out and it's a kind of like a reddish light yes yeah. is that what you're talking yes. about yes yeah. okay absolutely so like my strategy there was like i don't want to kill anybody i just want these other two factions to distract long enough for me to get out and so I didn't kill as many as I could have because I just wanted to get the hell out because I died, mm-hmm. like, like Morgan said, I died there five <laughs> times and I was just ready to move on. Yeah. But, but yeah. I really did, I have two thoughts. I like wanted to piggyback off of what you were saying about Abby and Ellie um, and like the point you get where you're like killing people and you're like, oh shit, I'm just killing a lot of people. Um, I got to that point with Ellie um, halfway through like killing wolves and like abby's friends that like had like the were the, the cutscenes. um yeah i think the one that really got me was oh i don't remember her name oh shoot but the woman in the hospital nora nora thank you yeah and that was like i don't want to do this i feel oh that horrible. fight scene yeah because yeah. you literally could have just left her and obviously she still would have she would have turned which i don't know if is there's a lot of like moral of like, do you kill her now and ma- not make her suffer through being a walker? I mean, a walker, a, like a runner or infected or whatever. Exactly. Or do you leave her and not brutalize her? And it yeah. was just this moment of it was gut wrenching. And I literally had to put the controller down and just kind of like breathe through it because it was so brutal and it was so. For me, it was unnecessary, and so that was kind of like the moment where I'm like, "Ellie, who are you becoming?" Like, yeah, because but, I know. Well, especially when she comes back, it's like I made her talk. Yes, yeah. and she's yeah. like all shaking, and she's saying it, and like, yeah, I needed that to happen, but then she's also kind of like, "What the fuck did I just do?" And I think that was extremely humanizing. It was, and that was a precursor to the scene at the end of Ellie's campaign where she <sighs> shoots a pregnant woman and then has to deal with that grief yeah and and these are very humanizing moments where it's like okay and then i feel like whether you're playing because you get you get beauty and and love and, and companionship and you get the horror of war and revenge and humanity whether you're playing as abby or ellie and i think no matter who you're playing as you get to a point where you're like okay like i empathize with you and i love you but like can we fucking stop already? Like, yes. Last of Us 2 is to me the perfect story of revenge and that it's not just about catharsis because there's no, there's no real catharsis. There's no healing in revenge. And, and you see it from both sides of, the, of, of this, you know, opposition, these opposing forces. And you play as both of them and you're like, look, I love Abby. I love Ellie. But like, can you both just like fucking calm down for a minute? Because there is no healing. There is no, there's no moving forward in this revenge. Absolutely. And the whole, and that's why I think it's a perfect revenge story because it's not just about like, oh, like I'm, this person wronged me and I must 
satisfy this wrong by murdering them. It's like, oh no, okay, like I, I this person wronged me and I'm going to chase them down, but it's also going to come at a cost to my own personal sanity, my humanity. You see that both their mental health uh, struggle uh, as a result of their vengeance quests. And I think that is the, that's the beautiful part in that it's fucked up and it's sad to play, but you really feel for both these characters and you're like, I don't want either of you to kill each other. I just want you both to stop and recognize that this is not going to give you the peace that you hope it will. Absolutely. I kind of agree with that, but I, not a hundred percent because Abby does figure it out and Ellie has an opportunity to figure it out and chooses to ignore it. Yeah. You know, and I think that's my biggest yeah. problem with the way the game ends, which I do really want to talk about, but I want to tell you a funny story real quick before we move Ooh, away yay. from the hospital. Break it up. Yeah, break it up with some humor. This game doesn't have a lot of funny stories, but here's a funny story. So <laughs> I, was go- I was going to the hospital, right, as Ellie, and I, uh, I was in the water. I got out of the water. I'm in, I'm in the spot where um, you're kind of like in, I don't know, it's kind of like a, squ- um, like a courtyard kind of area before you get inside the hospital yeah right? there's like a there's like a medical tent outside and a couple mm-hmm. of bins and stuff right and i'm hiding in the tall grass and i've kind of mapped out where people are and i'm like all right well if i can get the guy who's spying above i can probably sneak inside without killing any of these other people because at this point i don't know how many people are inside i want to save my bullets and stuff right so i scope it all out i've got it all timed i'm ready to go and i think i have my bow <laughs> equipped but i don't and i'm aiming like this guy's far away right and i'm i'm aiming with my pistol with no silencer on it oh no and just let it go and immediately everybody knows where i am Uh, (laughs) and this whole plan i set up i took like 10 15 minutes mapping this all out all just goes right out the window and everybody (laughs) is on me and it's just like a full-on rambo scene of trying to (laughs) mow everybody down until i can find a place to hide and it was just like it was both infuriating and hilarious at the same time Oh my god! I did a lot of like reloading of, of checkpoints for situations like that, where I'm like, nope, I gotta just restart. The- <laughs> gotta do it again. From the beginning um, <laughs> from the top, to please. Well, I and, didn't and, do any any of that. I did a lot of save scrub uh, save scrubbing in that, like I saved a bunch, but I never yeah. actually rolled back. I got worried that I would get to a point where maybe I got myself stuck somewhere. I've done that mm. a couple of times in games like this, and I like to have yeah. that fallback, but I never had to use it. Yeah. I just kind of died a bunch <laughs> until right. I just kind of paused and reevaluated my life choices. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm getting so angry and I'm dying a lot. Like I thought I was good at video games. What, what is happening with me? What did I do? What if, what if I, what am I doing wrong? And yeah. I was like, Oh, it's just because this game is hard. And then I would go watch other people play it and they're just like, passing through it i'm like what uh, i'm a good gamer i'm a good gamer i'm a good gamer (laughs) i can do this well if it makes you feel any better i died a lot specifically on the kind of like mini boss fights the hand-to-hand fights the the melee fights same and it almost made the final one between abby and ellie a little anticlimactic because they're both such like at a point of exhaustion but i had such a freaking hard time like maneuvering around and keeping the camera pointed right fighting the first two yeah um and i died i want to say six times when you're fighting the woman with the sledgehammer oh my god i think 
I think four Fuck times that fight. Fuck that with fight. the Sarah fight where you like slice his jaw off, oh, basically. Oh that yeah, brutal. Yeah, but like so those are the hardest. Those were the hardest parts of the entire game for me to pass. Yeah. To me, the Same. hardest part was as Abby in the hospital with the m- extremely mutated, evolved mm. blob of infection and i was yeah, like i died i don't even know how many times i've died like i paused stopped playing it for a day came back like for with fresh eyes just to like not just be so frustrated um mm-hmm. and it was just so difficult because i just couldn't get the timing right i couldn't get like my supplies right and where i used things and where i didn't use things and it was so rough <laughs> Yeah. See, I um, I died once on that fight because I didn't know it was a fight. I thought it was supposed to be one of those, those like, running things. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kept yeah. running around, and, like, you couldn't really get out until you beat it. And so, like, I just, like, kept going around in circles, and I kind of got myself <laughs> lost, and I was, like, really confused. And then it eventually it killed me because I just wasn't really, like, engaging with it. And then I was like, <laughs> all right, well, I guess I'll try and kill it. And I got, I guess I got lucky on that try, and I, I killed wow. it pretty, pretty well. But I had right. stocked up. Like, that's the other thing, too, because I stealth so much. I had a lot of equipment. I had lots of explosive shells and mm-hmm. uh, those, um, oh, those little bomb-type things. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, the, that, that, the pipe bombs. Or pipe bombs, oh, pipe yeah. bombs, pipe bombs. Thank you, yeah. Um, Ellie has the Molotovs, right? Right. Yeah, which, like... I like how they did that because you're they put you in situations where like oh my gosh I wish I just had a Molotov or when you're playing back as Ellie yeah. you're just like this would be great if I just had a pipe bomb but I like <laughs> also, how they kind of like stack the characters that way. I agree. Also side note like on a logical level I love that like as I'm exploring this world everything made sense to me. Like I was really low on alcohol because I needed I needed to make Molotov cocktails. I had zero Molotov cocktails and then all of a sudden I would stumble on an abandoned bar and I would find uh, plenty of alcohol there. And I'm like, yes. "Thank you. I'm glad that makes sense." And so like and I remember like the first time I stumbled into a bookstore, I was like, "Oh my gosh, there's a this is a bookstore. I think I'm going to find my first upgrade manual here." And I did. Gotcha, and I was yeah. like, oh, I love that. I'm yeah. so glad that like this game made sense because I've played a lot of games in my life, and sometimes you just find upgrades arbitrarily, and it doesn't make yeah. any sense. But oh, the but wolf this... I killed has like wolf as in like the animal. The wolf I killed yes. has armor. Why? 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 Yeah, why? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Whereas this game, like you're in a bar, you're in a bookstore, and like you find supplies that correlate to where you are, and it just it, it further drives home this point that you're in a very real world and it, mm-hmm. it just it felt more uh i don't know felt more uh, believable as a result i do agree with what zach said however i was always kind of like eye rolly when you came to like the safes because like <laughs> yeah like oh fair. i saved these supplies for you and it's just like alcohol bandages and like gun ammo which is like why <laughs> would people before the apocalypse want these things and it was just like yeah i saved your valuables for you and it's like just just stuff that like we need as a character but like doesn't mm-hmm. make sense in the world which like was always kind of like i'd be like cool great the safe that's awesome but i was kind of like whoa kind of very much like can we make it be like a real thing like a real yeah. safe <laughs> 
Well, it's kind of like how like the pills work to upgrade some of your abilities. Like they're just yeah. like any pills that are out in the world because you pick up pills from like everywhere. It's people's people's bathrooms, it's restaurants, it's you know, all over the place. And there's just yeah. like what are these things? And why does it make me like hear sounds better or <laughs> move more quietly? Um, it's like it's a very video gamey thing. Yeah. That's in a more grounded game. Which is like, I get, like, I had to, like, cut corners somewhere and right, make their right. mechanics make sense. But it was kind of like, as a player, I'm just like, okay, yeah, I'm going to have a safe <laughs> with, with supplies. and I do like that pills showed up, like, in the bathrooms more often than not. Yes. That makes sense. And, like, when you would come across, like, pharmacies. Yeah, or in pharmacies, yeah. But what were they? Because, like, scissors are scissors, <laughs> are scissors right? Or, like, alcohol is alcohol. But, yes. like, these are just pills. So, like, is it Tylenol and Excedrin? Or is this, like, <laughs> speed or, like, ecstasy? Like, what is this? We're living in an apocalypse, Derek. Don't ask questions. Take the pills and get your abilities. <laughs> Take the pills and say thank you. <laughs> I, I will say the one supply that bothered me the most was when you were making silencers, you needed a full bottle. And I get that supplies throughout the entire game came in like, this is a fourth of a scissor. Fine. This, this is a fourth of a bandage. That's fine. But like, how the fuck do you have a fourth of a bottle? <laughs> and then like, you find four of those and somehow you make a silencer out of that? That doesn't seem structurally sound. <laughs> you either find a full bottle or you find a broken bottle and that's it. There's no middle ground. <laughs> you don't, you don't yeah. combine bottles to make a full one. That, that I, mean, I also like your yeah. silencer. The idea that like a plastic bottle somehow works as a silencer is also kind of silly. Yeah. Right. But were they plastic? Were they glass? I never really got figured out a straight answer. Uh, I that. thought they were supposed to be like twenty ounce plastic bottles, like like same like soda because movie. like the okay. the the that sound they make when like you're done when you deplete it, it's right. kind of like the plastic yeah. like, thunk sound. Yeah. Right. But one of the upgrades you can get. You, you can get upgrades to like do better at making those to make them last longer. So like when you first get it, it only lasts like, I think it's two shots and then you can make yeah. it three shots. And then there's one I think that can make it four shots. Four. What are you doing to it to make it last more, more shots? More stuff, you, sound, yeah. Right. Are you Ex adding more tape, tape to it? Or like, <laughs> is, like just wrapping it with tape. I don't know. And you're just All like, right, hold so, on, Lev. So like, here's, here's my question for you guys. So were there any points where you saw a building or like there was one case where like there was a basement you could drop into anything where you're like there's definitely clickers in there did you all, just all avoid the them or did you always go in hoping for good supplies i the latter okay okay yeah i would like there there's a bunch of situations like that where you're just like mm, this is not going to be good there's going to be clickers all over but like what about the supplies though? <laughs> like, or like, I really want a card. So well, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. There was one spot in particular that I, I purposely avoided and it was a basement. Um, kind of I'm trying to remember exactly when it takes place, but you're playing as Ellie and you come across a store and you can get some supplies uh, in the store, but then the stairs to the basement are destroyed. So you have to actually fall in. Oh yeah, those have two that. bloaters. In I remember there. that. Yeah, yeah, and I I died really really quick, and I was like, you know what? When it reloaded me, it reloaded me back upstairs. I'm like I'm good. There's another place where uh, you're playing as Ellie, and uh, you're exploring a little area, and you're gathering supplies. Everything seems calm, and there is like a biker shop where you can open it up, and you know it's <gasps> safe in there. Yes. If you found the the, the journal earlier. 
like and but you open up that you open up the, the biker shop and then like six plus clickers just start meandering out and you're like well shit like <laughs> i guess i'll throw a molotov in there and hope for the best but this is bullshit yeah, there were, there were different times like that. Like, there was a liquor store or a bar. There was a bar. There was a bar in, like, on a street center. And you were in a building that had, like, the elevators that didn't work. You, had, you could climb up and stuff like that. And there mm-hmm. were a bunch of supplies yeah. in there. And I was like, you can see supplies in the bar. You can kind of see them glistening. Because I am um, yeah. so kind of touching on the accessibility stuff. I don't see color well. Um, I, I'm colorblind. I struggle with it a lot. And so I turn on one of their colorblind modes all the time. And the fact that they have it is awesome. I it's amazing. I, I, so I set that colorblind mode on. I changed the fonts of the subtitles so I can see them better. Yes. And I also turned it on so pick uh, items that you could pick up or interact with. Uh, well, pick up is probably more accurate. Um, like glow a bit. Like they kind of flash a bit. Oh, so you can okay. differentiate them from like other junk. Um, that you can't touch. And so you, I can see them like through the windows and stuff like that. So I'm like, I know there's some stuff in there, that <laughs> but I can also see clickers. I'm like, I don't know. You're like, Is there oh. stuff in there? So I was like, all right, well, here's what I'm going to do. And so I threw a Molotov into the window and I caught one of the clickers on fire. And <laughs> <laughs> that worked out well. But um, did you guys use any of the accessibility features in this at all? I, I'm a huge subtitle person. I used to not be, but now my hearing kind of sucks and so like just understanding and seeing everything verbally seeing like oh okay you're actually talking and Mm -hmm. it works a lot with like a lot of quieter dialogue that like sometimes if you don't have subtitles on you won't even pick it up um and i just really i really liked how you could change the color change the font or like like you said for people who is can't differentiate colors or can't differentiate like fonts from like the backgrounds and I think that was amazing how they did that because there were like five color options for the mm-hmm. font which like the normal standard is like white but I don't like that because it kind of can, can like blend into the background so I used oh, green yeah. to kind of like really yeah. just like slap me in the face and be like they're talking like pay attention I think that's what I use mine was either a green or a yellow it was like a lime green or a yellow yeah and I just really really enjoyed that they had that and I was just like when I was going to turn the subtitles on um I was just like looking through all of their other accessibility um options and it just it's really amazing how games are getting more intuitive that like yeah like just because you as a developer is able able body doesn't mean everyone playing this is so I know they had the same in like God of War where um the newer one where you know you had to like find the like sections where to like stab into in the game where basically it was just more streamlined in case someone couldn't feel the vibrations of the um the controller and they just there's a lot of options like that in Last of Us which I just think is amazing and it just helps people who aren't able-bodied just have the same experiences and have the same fun and I just really really enjoy that well and like some of this gets super granular uh one thing I turned on was it will actually show you directionally where the audio was coming join us today during the Jeep celebration event right now get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. From with the subtitles. Oh which was great. So that way you could hear like, is the person, you know, back this way or up this way? Because, you know, I, I'm either playing with my headphones or I'm playing with my sound bar on my TV. Mm-hmm. And so I can't, I'm, I don't have surround sound. So I'm not hearing it if it's behind me or, you know, off to my left or whatever. And this helps actually, it will actually point where it is. And it, you can add the names of the person who's speaking. So I can yes. tell like, you know, I mean, obviously there's some voices you're going to know, right? You know, Joel, you know, Ellie. But like yeah. some of these more side characters you know, that you get to know as the game goes on, like Owen and Mel, I don't recognize their voice right off the bat, <laughs> right? So like it's good to kind of get that. And then like there's other like little stuff too. Like you can change, um, you know, for example, you know, you can have advanced dodging or decreased weapon sway or, uh, you know, enemies can't flank you. Um, hostages can't escape. Yeah, like there's wow. a ton of, of combat accessibility options where if, if combat isn't your thing, like maybe it's not a, a physical disability or anything mm-hmm. like that, but maybe just combat's not your thing and you don't want the whole game to be easier, right? Because you're good at the survival aspects and you're good at crafting and maneuvering, but you're not great at the physical combat. You can adjust just those specific things. That's awesome. I didn't know that. To dial in, right? Because the game has three levels of difficulty before the grounded and permadeath additions. Uh, cool. Right. But, you know, maybe hard is great except for melee combat. So if you can mm. adjust melee combat for hard, then you're happy. But if you drop to medium, the whole game's too easy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I like that. I think it's, it just gives so much more flexibility to people. So the, if the game's just not gated. Yes. And that's important. You know, color matters so much because you're at such low light levels all the time mm. in this game that, like, for me, I, I want to play some of these new graphical modes because I'll just be able to see the game better. <laughs> yeah. You know, like there were a couple of times where I just straight up felt stuck and lost because I couldn't see a gap where I was supposed to see it. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, because the brush melded together or whatever, right? Because you have debris and you've got overgrown uh, vegetation. And, you know, so it's beautiful. The game is just incredibly Stunning. gorgeous. Right. Like I just kept wanting to stop and take photos because the photo <laughs> mode's pretty solid. But being able to adjust those colors is just huge for me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I have a friend who is severely blue, green, and red colorblind. And he's also a gamer. And so before as a able-bodied, I guess, vision person, I don't have any like except for not like having glasses and stuff like I don't have colorblind or I don't have a lot of other limitations that um some may so I just completely if I don't drop my phone I completely take that for granted because I haven't known not to have it so like talking to him about a lot of games really kind of opened my eyes to that realm and so now I look for it in other games and so if I see that 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 these games have this, I am just happier because I know that my friend and so many other people can play it and have fun and not just be like, oh, I don't, I I can't see anything. Like I can't do this. Right. Yeah. One of the few things I would change is just they, so they added a bunch of modifiers with this update uh, about a week and a half ago. Um, It includes 
the, the permadeath and the grounded mode, it includes 29 different graphical settings that are like basically filters for the game in a way, some of which are incredibly complex um, and sophisticated, but it also comes with a bunch of modifiers. And personally, I would have liked to have had the option to use some of these modifiers without yeah. beating the game. The modifiers are only available once you've beaten the campaign once. And look, to an extent, I, I get it, right? You don't want people using... Um, you know, infinite crafting and infinite ammo and slow motion and stuff like that in your core game before they've played it. I, I do get that to an extent, but at the same time, you know, I, I'm here for the story more than anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe I would have wanted to turn on just like infinite crafting or, or something, or maybe yeah. you know, see what the slow-mo was like or whatever. So if you're going to give me those options, might as well just, make them available to me, you know, because the truth is that this game is so heavy and, you know, it's 30 hours. Um, the, not as many people are going to go back and play through it a second, third time to try yeah. all of these extra things that, I mean, developers worked on to put into the game. Right. I, Derek, we talked more recently about Resident Evil 4 and how that was like the first Resident Evil game you played. And it's one that like I played through numerous times um, when it came out. And it's one that I've been replaying through recently, and I've already started a second playthrough. But the reason I started a second playthrough immediately after the first playthrough was because it wasn't a super heavy emotional game. Like, it was a really shitty action movie, basically, <laughs> at its core. And yeah. so and so I thought, yeah, I'll play it again, like, to get some of these extra things and try out some of these extra features. And, yeah, New Game Plus is no big deal when it's a terrible story and I'm not really invested in it, but like year, cause it's fun. Um, but for something like, like, like you're saying, like for something like last of us or last of us two, like, I, I don't know. I don't know when or if I'm going to replay the first game or this game ever again. I haven't sold my copy of the second game yet, but like I, part of that's because I think, uh, are they going to do some DLC story that I need to like have it for? And yeah, like it's easier to replay a game that's lighthearted versus something that's more heavy. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that because I have been thinking about playing with New Game Plus and now the new modifications. Um, but I just don't think I can handle it emotionally. <laughs> um, one of my friends, um, he hasn't played it, but he wants to. And I told him, like, instead of him buying it, he can just come over and I will walk him through it and offer emotional support line <laughs> for as as needed because it is it is a really rough game emotionally and like there were have been several times like I mentioned earlier that I've had to stop the game because it was just so heavy or so brutal or emotional that I either couldn't stop crying or couldn't stop like shaking that I just had to like put it down take a breather for like a day or two and then come back to like maybe watch something happy on Netflix watch something that like will make (laughs) me laugh kind of reset my emotional bar and then Mm -hmm. dive into it well I definitely think if I did play it again and I'm, I'm thinking about it because like a couple of these graphic modes in particular like uh the one that's actually called graphic uh, 8-bit uh, is really cool. Dungeon is really cool. And Void is, is like, super interesting. Um, and 1960 is, like, a noir kind of style. Like, I kind of want to check these out. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think if, if you turn on 
infinite ammo, infinite crafting, and a couple of these other ones, it turns, and then like you can skip the cutscenes. Then it, it kind of moves from this horror survival game to just like an action game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I think it, it might be a little fun to go after the infected and the clickers and stuff like that it, with, you know, a different level of confidence because, sure. you know, you don't have like three bullets, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And you can craft more med kits if you need. I love that. And yet also, I don't know that I want to play that game because this game was such an emotionally intense thing that, like, I I don't want to, like, rob it of that and, like, ignore that because that was such a huge part of the gameplay for me. I feel like, and that's even replaying Resident Evil 2, like, the second time you play it, or I'm sorry, 4, the second time you play it, like, I've got all these cool weapons and everything goes so fast and it's like, ah, do I care anymore? Because it's so much easier. And I feel like if if Last of Us one or two were easier or less emotionally draining, I don't know that I would be as invested as I was the first time. Well, then maybe what you should do then is give yourself these modifications, but play permadeath and see how far you can make it. Ooh, Ooh that sounds really stressful though. That's like, that's <laughs> the other extreme. <laughs> well, that sounds if, terrible. If you, if you give yourself unlimited crafting and unlimited ammo, right? Sure. And then permadeath. I'd be curious Ooh. to see how far you can make it. Yeah, I would, I would, you should invite us over for beers and <laughs> yeah. we'll watch you go through that. <laughs> yeah, watch me suffer. I mean, yeah, I'm just, be I'd be curious, you know, just to kind of see. For science, I'm curious. Yes. Okay, so there's some other story elements I want to make sure that we touch on. One of them is just very personal, and that's Dina, the character huh. of Dina. My babe. So she is. She's like your kind of uh, partner, so to speak, in gameplay, but also becomes Ellie's partner, like in life, at least through mm -hmm. some of the story. Um, oh. And just on a personal level, I found it super fucking cool that Druckmann was able to, because he's Israeli American, was able to put a Jewish person into his game and not make it like totally hidden. Uh, as she was exactly. Jewish. They go to a synagogue, they're, they're at a temple, and she's talking about it, and uh, that was super cool for me as a Jewish person. There are very few Jewish people in games, at least overtly, with the exceptions of, you know, like Wolfenstein, you know, Blaskovich <laughs> is Jewish. Yeah. And, I mean, that, that's a little more on the nose since you're like a soldier hunting Nazis, but, um, you know, this, this was really cool to have uh, this character, and so I just wanted to bring that up because I yeah. really liked it. <laughs> I really liked the diversity of characters in this game. Like, I feel like Druckmann saw and heard the lack of diversity in the first game. And he was like, like, oh shit, you were so right. Instead of being like, fine, I'll give you this kind of character. Like he saw it and he listened to people and really made these characters substantial and um like poc and i think that that was like so important to me like even just starting out you get introduced to jesse right off the bat when you switch to ellie and i am in love with jesse his voice is just uh his character is just uh everything about him i love him and He's dina cool i love guy. dina i love just like jesse and dina like for Ellie's story and I love that they are both non-white and I think it was it's extremely important to one like the, the way they told the story to not really call attention to it because I know in a lot of media if you have a person who is not white 
you a lot of writers fall on stereotypes to kind of like point it out like oh you know the black character says dog a lot and that is always <laughs> just like like we get it you're black i get it um you don't have to say that and it's so frustrating for me um and so seeing these characters being poc and not calling attention to it i thought that was so authentic and so how characters would interact with characters they like and end up loving and yeah. the fact that they had a a lesbian relate well lesbian bisexual relationship and they're just not shy about it and mm -hmm. i am in love with that because he didn't shy from it like he wanted ellie to be lesbian which we've already known and from the first game in the um, DLC. But then like you see her experiences dating Catherine and Kat and then Dina, which I think is this like seemingly like effortless switch and the fact that Jesse wasn't being a toxic male individual and like, oh, I broke up with this girl, my girlfriend and now my friend's dating her. Like, what the fuck? Like he was, immediately okay with it and i loved that yeah i love the diversity not just with with pocs but with with lgbtq plus uh, representation yes. i love that um uh to piggyback on what you're saying i love that i i love the fanboy fanboy hatred of abby and how like no woman is supposed <laughs> to be that buff and masculine like <sighs> mama, mama. there was a lot of like toxic response to abby as a character there and it's, like, so I feel like, many there was, and I feel like if you if you're playing this game and, and you're like engrossed in the story, then like you're not paying attention to the fact that like how dare they make a woman who's not for the male gaze? Like you're just enjoying the story because she's a compelling character and she becomes attractive. And I'm not speaking physically, but like she becomes like compelling as a character because mm -hmm. you care about her as a person, and that's the point of this game. And if if you don't if you don't love Abby by the end of the game, then I don't. You're know wrong. Friends. Yeah, you're wrong. Like, I don't know that we can be friends because you're wrong and you're missing, <laughs> you're missing the point that like, we're all complicated people and we all come from different backgrounds and situations. And um, The Last of Us 2 really thrives, like you said, um, in a way that the first one didn't in the sense that like, it celebrates diversity. It celebrates uh, racial diversity, sexual diversity, it celebrates diversity in the sense that like you've got father figures both joel and uh abby's dad as very like non-toxic male figures who just love their their daughters and they maybe like have their flaws but they're doing their best exactly like uh, two points i love the diversity in body types especially with women because you don't see a lot of that in games and the fact that they didn't make abby a lesbian which would have been like a cop-out because like she's big oh, sure. and she's buff and she's a strong independent character mm -hmm. but she is madly in love with owen and yeah just their owen, relationship is so compelling i i love abby and owen and the 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 push and pull of their characters and their relationship and the insertion of mel and just all of that com like complexity because it's so real because it's so much like i love you and you like we're not together anymore we weren't really good together 
but like you're happy now and I think that's attractive and we still kind of have like a thing like it's just so human it's messy and it's complicated and it's just like yeah you know I I, I can see yes how a care how a person can get into that and yeah as for like Joel and being a non-toxic figure like he was extremely toxic in the past but mm-hmm. the fact that he and I, and I love the evolution between him thinking like Jesse and Ellie are a thing and like how he's like, I think he has a thing for you. And she's like, mm, he doesn't though. He really doesn't. And then that end kind of beautiful scene between Joel and Ellie where he's talking about Dina and how he doesn't really ask any questions like any horrible questions he's just like is that is that your girlfriend she's like man i hope so and he goes i think she would be lucky to have you just that seamless switch of like she's not into this she's into that and that's fine i am completely fine with it i just want her in my life because i love her and that was so old-fashioned and he's kind of a good old boy like in the voice acting especially but there's that moment where you're like okay like is this where he outs himself as a bigot nope this is the moment where he shines and that's beautiful exactly at the end of the day i mean ellie's really just a surrogate for the daughter that he loses in the first game right like that's that's really what his whole story is about is trying to reclaim or rediscover that relationship um going back to abby for a minute so laura bailey is the voice actor who voiced um uh, abby bailey. and like it's shot like it's just, it's always very frustrating to me how people handle characters and how they then treat actors based on those characters oh, and so laura received like lots of like hate mail and threats and things like that and it's just astounding to me because of like her pedigree of like what she's done before in voice mm-hmm. acting like she's kate diaz in gears five which is arguably the best of the gears games and it's mainly because she's the lead character in it um you know she's been in star wars she's done cartoons like ducktales and she's like, done animes like she's um, done animes soul yep. leader she's maka she she played a uh, black widow and and some um, avengers cartoons like she's been she's been like in tons of stuff playing heroes and and um anti-heroes or villains and you know this is like a job and she's reading a script and no no one in the game is actually committing those acts as an actor it's all you know mocap and stuff like that and you know, like this happened to like the the I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but the kid who played Joffrey in uh, oh. Game of Thrones. Um, you know, he actually quit acting because of and that. And like, it's ridiculous. Like, all that that proves is how good of a freaking actor he was. Right. Um, like, <laughs> you know, and so it's it's just outstanding to me that people treat actors this way. And on top of that, you know, if you play the whole game, if anything. Ellie might be the worst person between the two of them. So yeah, for real. You know, like I'm just gonna go ahead and say it because like I don't I don't love either character at the end of this game. I'm gonna be honest with you. If I love any character, it's probably Dina and and Jesse, maybe. Uh, but I don't really love anybody else. And Ellie, like, I'm just frustrated with Ellie by the end of the game because she just won't take give a break up. when she's given one it's not giving up it, it's not that she won't give up i can appreciate 
not giving up and fighting for what seems like a lost cause um, and things like that. But she doesn't, it's not knowing when to quit. That's different. It's not knowing when she's given an opportunity. Yeah. That's yeah. frustrating. And but like, like just the way the game ends. So the big climax of course is when Abby shows up at the movie theater and that's when the game switches, right? Mm-hmm. You get to play as Abby and then you come back up to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's shot really clever, right? The, the initial time is shot with Lev out of the frame, so you don't yeah. know he's there. So we're like, well, who the, who's that kid, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's done really well. Uh, the Even the battle in the movie theater, I think, is all handled pretty well. Um, but when Abby has that moment where Lev talks her down, basically, from killing mm. Dina and starting the cycle all over again and proving that she's exactly what Ellie thinks she's a, she is, yeah. everybody in that building is given a second opportunity, a second chance. They're all given a chance to look back on everything that's happened, not just in this game, but everything that's happened and try and make a better life for themselves and their friends. Yeah. And their future child. Abby, Lev, and Dina learn that lesson. And I think Ellie learns that lesson, but then Tommy, Tommy really kind of like, drives that dagger deeper because I think like you can see Ellie being happy and she's content walking around with um uh uh, the the baby uh uh, JJ JJ yeah uh walking around with the baby and just really just being happy and loving her life and then but also haunted by PTSD yes like she's happy but She's still plagued with it. And she's still plagued with that grief. But then and, fucking and Tommy shows up. And- Tommy abso- absolutely manipulates her emotional issues. And so, again, like I feel like this... this whole I don't, I don't this- see that as manipulation. I think he's just giving her the excuse that she's been looking for. I mean, yes, but it was also manipulative because... Is it? It, it was manipulative because Tommy was saying, like, oh, like... He, I mean, it was a total guilt trip. It was a shitty guilt trip. Everything he said to her before he left the farm was manipulative and he knew it would get to her he knew it would get to her because he knew her i think there's a difference between saying hurtful things and saying manipulative things he goes there because he thought he and ellie were on the same page he can't go physically he's incapable of doing it and he's angry that the only other person on the planet who should understand doesn't and i think that at the end of the day ellie's not manipulated she's just is given the push or the excuse that she's been waiting for kind of on pause, right? Because yeah. if she doesn't wait long, it's, the, it's that night that she basically leaves. It's not like time passes and her guilt eats away at her. It's a couple of hours. I, I agree, but I also think that both can be true. Because I think, I agree. That, I think if we're going to view each of these characters in their context... And, and recognize that there is no good, there is no evil, everyone's just messed up and they are all filtering their life experiences through their own previous trauma or, or, or situations, then we also have to recognize that each of these relationships are also, you know, maybe codependently fused together in a way that they are, they are viewing each other through their own trauma. And, and so Joel, like, like to, to take, take it back to its like most simplest form, Joel is a really fucked up thing in the first game, but as you've already touched on, Joel was a guy who lost his daughter and mentally, emotionally, he was not 
equipped to lose another daughter figure. And so he basically said, fuck all of humanity. I don't yeah. want this girl to die. And, and, and that sucks. But it's also like, as a father, like if I had lost one of my daughters, I, I've joked before, like if one of my daughters were to die, like I think that's my supervillain origin story. Like I think I would, I think I'm a genuinely okay human, but if one of my daughters were to die, I would probably go off the deep end and do some terrible things as a result. And so I don't, uh, I don't see Joel as a hero at all, but I don't see him as a villain either. I see him as a suffering human who is living out some trauma. And so if we expand that and then uh, flash forward to the Joel, or not Joel, the Tommy and Ellie situation, Tommy and Ellie uh, have a very codependent relationship in the fact that they both lost someone they love very much. And, and yeah, like Joel, Joel, sorry, Tommy, Tommy thinks like, oh, I can't do this. So this other person needs to do it for me. That's a, that's a codependent response. That's not a, a healthy psychological response. But he's and not like, making that up though. Like he even says like, she said when they got back that they were going to make things right. So it's not like he just yes. showed up one day and was like, hey, I know we haven't talked about this, but I've been tracking her down. They had agreed right. to do it and she had just kind of forgotten about it. But it is still a fucked up codependent relationship because Tommy is not self-aware enough as a person to look at Ellie and say, oh, hey, we both agreed we were going to make this right. And maybe we had different ideas of how to make this right. And, and, and Tommy is not self-aware enough or, or empathetic enough to recognize, oh, shit, like me and this person made this agreement a long time ago because we were uh, hardcore stuck on vengeance and, 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 and justice. And, and Tommy, Tommy doesn't love Ellie. Tommy doesn't care about Ellie the way that Joel cares about Ellie because Tommy shows up and he's like, look, we had this agreement. This is very dualistic. Why aren't you doing this thing? And yet Ellie's happy. And I feel like if, if Joel were alive, and if he were, this is a moot point, but if Joel were alive or if Joel were to show up the ghost, he would say to Tommy, shut the fuck up, dude. Like she's happy. She's He's worked towards life. something. She's worked towards something. Joel doesn't have anything to do with it because Joel wouldn't have wanted Ellie to do anything to begin with. That's fair. Okay, that's fair. Right, like, so if it was up, if, if Joel's ghost had shown up, he would have told Ellie, don't even go after the wolves. Right. Right, because her safety would have been more important anyway. I think, I think the that's trick fair. here is that pinning too much of this on Tommy just lets Ellie off the hook. And at the end of the day, Ellie spends months on this in the epilogue. Yeah, months. she does. And those couple of sentences that Tommy throws her way are not enough for me to say that she was somehow manipulated into two, three, four months of traveling, surviving, brutally murdering. And then, you know, like, I mean, she, like, the way the, the end is handled is just very confusing. And I think it's just well, not really consistent. Well, okay. So, and I agree with you for the most part. Like, I'm not trying to paint Ellie as a hero or as innocent in this situation. I just think that both Tommy and Ellie had a codependent relationship, and I think they're both. That's fine. I think they're both fucked up. I think they're both at mm -hmm. fault for what happened. But I think more of that goes to Ellie because at the end of the day, she's the one who's got she's the one a who significant goes after other. She's yeah. the one who's got basically a stepchild, right? I mean, I don't know if yeah. they really had, like if that's how far their relationship had come at that point, but I think we could probably assume that was the goal, and she's she's the one who has this whole future ahead of her she chooses to leave her family behind to go on this oh hunt. for sure and i was mad at ellie i was mad i was at ellie. so pissed 
I was so pissed. And like, she shows up at the end after she did her deed and I wasn't happy. Like I, and then I was sad for Ellie that like the family, her family had basically left, but I'm also like, you deserve this. Like, this is the choice you made. Yeah. And like Dana didn't deserve to sit around again and wonder yeah. if Ellie was going to come back. And I, I do agree. Like Ellie is not innocent in this. Ellie. Oh, like there was a, this complex turn, especially when she went back out after Abby and continued to fight her after, after she saved Abby and Lev. It was just this, I feel like it was just this desperation of I've wanted this so much and I, I personally am so lost without this cause because I've literally put everything on the line. And now yeah. that I don't have this, what do I have? I think it was that culmination of she's left with herself and her self-hatred for herself. And yeah. also her survivor's guilt of not dying in the hospital um, for the fireflies. And I think that yeah, yeah. like she was just yeah. so confused. And I would love to see like where she ends up because like I feel like Ellie is a time bomb and without people to kind of ground her like dina i don't know how she's going to cope with life yeah i agree that's that also kind of leads me into part of it because the way the game ends is basically a lesser version of the first ending because the game basically ends with abby leaving the movie theater right don't ever let mm -hmm. me see you again we assume that lev and her go off and have their adventures together and are strong and are healthy and move on and are awesome and then you know ellie dina and tommy go home they heal up best they can we've got ellie and dina have have the baby together in this house and it seems like you know what maybe everybody's kind of just learned and, and grown and then the game just kind of continues and then what we're left with is ellie's now on her own we have no idea if she's going to go if she goes back to jackson or not we don't know if tommy ever finds out what happens. We don't know where Dina went. I assume not back to Jackson because Tommy and her would probably have it out all the time. And then Abby and Lev, who I guess we're supposed to assume survives, but we don't know, just rowboat out into the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> like, that's just like, not as good of an ending. Uh, so I, I get what you're saying, and I think it's valid. I personally, I love the ending, and I know you, to, to piggyback on a point you made much earlier in the evening, I think that Ellie had two opportunities to, turn a to learn a lesson. She didn't learn it the first time when she should have. She didn't learn it the first time when it would have saved her and her new family. Um, but at the end, and, and, and again, so like there's that movie theater fight and I'm like, I don't like this because I'm attached to both these characters now and I don't want mm -hmm. either of them to die and that sucks. But to me, it was more meaningful at the end because like you don't know what's happening. Like Ellie basically, she finds uh abby and lev and she cuts them down and you think oh my god is this, is this it is this going to be enough and yet you still get the sense that like no like there's still this tension here uh ellie's not going to let it go and so then you get these two people you get abby who is this lesser form of herself withered and withered yes yeah, been captured for so long and then you get you get ellie who's thinking no i went this far i can't give up now i have to like enact my revenge and they have this huge fight and to me that was way more emotional than what happened in the movie theater because this is like these are two people at their wits end uh ellie is at a mental emotional wits end 
Abby is physically at her end. Uh, and and Abby even says, like, fine, you know, fuck it, let's do this. If this is what you need, let's do this. Well, Abby only does that when Ellie threatens to kill Lev. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that's important. That's important to to Lev's character, to Abby's character and her relationship with Lev. Because again, well, like, I just think that's a different tone than, all right, let's do this. It was more of like, she had no choice. Yes, it, but it was, she had no choice. And also she was willing to, Abby, someone that in the first like 10 hours of the game, you fucking hate. And yet here we are at the end of the game and you're like, Abby's kind of great. And she's willing to lay down her life for love. Mm-hmm. And, and that make, that paints uh, that paints Ellie in a not so great light as she's willing to say. Yeah, but Abby's already done that game. I mean, she did it when, you know, she turns on the wolves. Right, right. And that, and again, that, that that comes back to the point. Like, at the end of the, at the end of the day, this is a very complicated game. It's a complicated story. There's With no complicated characters. People. Yeah, these are people who are not black and white. Uh, it, it's, it's The morality is very vague. And so I think that at the end, like, that, that was that fight was emotional because, like, I I felt it more deeply than I did in the movie theater. I was like, these are two people who are basically on death's door and I just want to see them bury the hatchet and move on. But that's not going to happen. They're going to have to fight it out for a while. And and there was some form of catharsis, I think, found in the fact that like they were fighting each other, at least for Ellie. And then Ellie eventually said, like, okay, like, fuck it. Like, and she let go of it. But she had to get like almost to her death and to Abby's death to let go. And Again, I'm not putting Abby on. Uh, I'm not putting Abby or Ellie on a pedestal. I think they both sucked, but I think they both had some good qualities too. And that that is the the crux of the story for me. And that is where third act, if you will, has its strength. Is that like here are these two people that I care about, and I want to see both of them live, but they are both uh, deeply uh, passionate but conflicted characters. And I think both of them have valid experiences and. And, and and a lot of video games and that's end of the day a lot of video games don't give us that a lot of video games it's like you're the good guy here's the bad guy go kill him and that's the end and this is a game that makes you play two different sides uh of very human characters and then and makes you say who do you root for and you don't want to see either of them die but it does that before the epilogue my, my point is i don't think the epilogue actually adds anything to either character's story and at the end of the did, day, but, the, but the fight at the end makes zero sense because Ellie is fully equipped. She's got three, four different guns, like depending on what you have. She's got Molotovs. She's got her shiv. Like she's completely like maxed out to the teeth right now. If you've depending on how you've played the game and she puts sure. all of that aside to slug it out in the water. And that is silly. Why is it silly? It's because not. It's, it's not, like, dude. Come on, man. It makes zero sense. Ellie it makes is not so much sense. But Ellie's not a brawler. She doesn't brawl in either of the two games up until this point. She doesn't. But she feels okay. But but that's the thing. But Ellie, as a character, has a sense of honor. She has a code of integrity. And Ellie sees her 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 opponent, this woman that she's wanted to kill, and she's not like. And this woman's a brawler typically, but this is a woman who has been imprisoned and. And, and 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 is a lesser form of herself and so ellie ellie is armed to the teeth but ellie will not feel good ellie will not feel satisfied she will not gain any sort of catharsis from a victory over a, of a over an opponent who is weakened and so ellie is going to say okay yeah i'm armed to my teeth i could fucking pull out a gun and shoot you now but that's not going to give me what i want because at the end of the day ellie doesn't want to kill abby 
Ellie wants to bring Joel back. Ellie wants satisfaction. Yeah, no, I, I, I get all of that. I don't think the scene works. I understand the narrative, but like but that's why she, the she scene still works. But she still uses a knife when Abby's been completely exhausted and malnourished and tied to a pole. She still has a weapon that Abby doesn't have. I, I don't believe for a second that that makes any sense. There's no honor there because she still is equipping herself better. She's she's equipping herself better, but also like she's been through some shit. She's been through they've a fight. both like, been through shit like that. But that's my point. Like that's all before the epilogue. They've all been through shit. We get that, right? So just be done, just be done with it. Either let them go or shoot her. The the putting down my bag of stuff to do a, a fist fight in the water is just it feels self indulgent from a narrative perspective. And that's the point. It is self indulgent because. The, the very quest for revenge in and of itself is indulgent. And that but is that's not that, revenge. No, that is revenge. Like revenge in and of itself is indulgent. No, 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 no. I mean, the scene, the scene is not revenge. If she wants to kill Abby, like she's killed everybody else, the entire game, all of the wolves, all of her friends, all of those Seraphites, she's killed them all with quick, either cuts to the throat or shots or whatever. Yeah. Right. But this time, this time it's different. I just, it they've, is. Already, they've already had a fist fight that she's lost, you know, and it's just. So it she just, had something to prove. It, it, that's the whole epilogue for me adds nothing. If anything, it makes me like the game less. Well, that's fair. I mean, for me, it had the opposite effect. I, I, I again, I, I just, the epilogue, the epilogue to me makes a lot of sense. I think on an emotional guttural level, I think like. I think that's the difference is like, I, at the end of the day don't really care about these characters because wow. I don't think any of them are good enough to care about. I think Dina's good enough to care about. I think maybe Mel was right. Maybe Nora might've been if we got to know her better, but like Owen's a piece of shit too. And I just think that the problem is that like at the end of the day, these characters are more bad than good. So I don't really care that much. What happens? I guess, I guess the difference so I guess you have to qualify your what your good is and what your bad is because I feel like all of these characters up until the end are very human. They make very human errors. They make very human self-indulgences. They are very selfish sometimes like Owen and Abby when they had sex, when like Owen is having a baby with Mel. Like that is ridiculous and stupid but it's human and like it sucks because it made me mad but it also like made me weirdly happy because I liked them together but it's this whole confusing complex mess and Owen's his personal change between being this like being this like military boy and like oh yes everything is by the rules and then realizing what the wolves are fighting for is bullshit um Manny is Manny and he's he loves sex and he's this like playboy kind of character <laughs> but he also loves his friends so much um yeah, Manny's probably is, a good person oh you see like I think they all have their goods I don't know if I would be friends yeah. with any of them personally um or I might I might be and then be like that is really shitty about you but I think it's all so human. Therefore, it's really hard for me to say this action that you did made you a bad person. Up until like, for me, the line was 
Ellie and Nora. And then, like, I just think, like, everything they do is, like, for a reason. Like, they have personally justified it within themselves. Therefore, I have a hard time being, like, uh, you're a bad person. Because if I think about each character, it makes so much sense. Like, the choices they made and why they made it. Therefore, I have a really hard time saying that a single person is bad or good because I don't think they're bad nor good. I just think they're complex and constantly at war with themselves and wanting to be normal and wanting to have love and life and mourn for the people that have been killed, that have been murdered. And there is no, I feel like there's no pretty way to mourn and grieve. I, I have found that out. I have done bad things when I was grieving um, because I just wanted to feel something because grief is just so powerful that it makes you just like do extreme things. And yeah, that's the point of this games, I think. Yeah. And so I feel like if you take a snapshot of that moment in my life, you could be like, "Mm, yeah, Morgan's a bad person. If you just looked at that, but if you looked at me as an entire person, then you're just like, well, I don't think she's a bad person. So I think that you have to she's a apply the same. Person, like all of us are. Exactly. Like everyone in this game is. But that glosses over so much. I mean, even Abby's it friends. It doesn't though. It really but it, doesn't. it does because Abby's friends straight up say that she's a piece of shit and they've known her for years. So it's not just based on one event or two events. Okay, but at the end of the day. say that as a result of their own experiences and their own, like they're all speaking out of a place of their own. I mean, okay. But under that logic, there's no such thing as a bad person. Is that what? Yes. I, that's the point that I'm making. I can never subscribe to that. There are bad people. There, there, are, are, bad there people. are bad people. And there I can't are, subscribe there... to the, the fact that just because you, th- that, that it's complicated or that you're human, that's a cop out answer. There are evil people. There are bad yeah. people. Those people exist. We know that. (laughs) So my my point is that the things that you do define who you are. That's what determines if you're good or bad. If you hold, when Ellie takes the knife to Lev's throat, a kid who's barely alive, trying to not die in a rowboat, puts a knife to his throat because she has a vendetta against a completely different person. That's it. I'm kind of done at that yeah, point. There's there's no excuse it's, for that. He's not a wolf or a seraphite that's got guns trying to kill her. It's an innocent human. Right. So that's 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 a line for me at that point. Yeah, She's willing to kill an innocent child for her vendetta. But also she didn't kill the innocent child and she was never willing to kill the innocent child. You know, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't know that. You have no idea of that. The game doesn't show you that at all. It shows you that she puts a, gu- a knife to his throat and threatens to do it. And Abby believes her. Abby certainly believes it. Abby believes her because that's and yeah, like and again, I'm not defending Ellie. Like no, but you're you're giving her an out by saying she wouldn't have done it. The game doesn't show me that she wouldn't have done it. I don't know that she would or wouldn't have done it. You're right, but I'm I am saying that again. Like I don't like yeah. There there's some really fucked up people in this world that do a lot of harm, and that's messed up. But again, like when you say when you say about the characters in this game, you're like, I think they're more bad than good, and so they're they're not worth caring about. Like I didn't say they're not worth caring about. I said I don't care about them. Right. Okay. To you, there's a difference. That's that's fair. But so to me, it's like, well, I mean, you could say the same thing about any of the three of us. Like we've all made mistakes. We've all like done things we're not proud of, and that's the point of humanity. And I think that is the point ultimately that this game was making. uh, Bigger than the narrative, bigger than any one event, is that we're all fucked up humans. And I think at the end of the day, like 
what matters is how comfortable you are making peace with mistakes you've made and and also what efforts are you making to grow and move forward as a person and you know what by that by that measure Ellie fucking sucks because the end of the day she was willing to give up a, a, a steady relationship and a stepchild and stability for this like quest for revenge and that sucks and she did some shitty things especially in the epilogue and so that I'm not giving her a pass on that at all and yet also again I'm willing to view each individual human within the context of their trauma and their pain and without making excuses for them or their bad behavior I'm willing to at least say okay I don't agree, but I understand why you did that thing. And I think that ultimately, end of the day, The Last of Us 2 especially is an exercise in empathy. It's an exercise in what to what length are you willing to go to to um, explore a point of view that is different than your own, a person who is opposed to you? Like what level of empathy are you willing to – like how much empathy and compassion are you willing to extend to someone who – is diametrically opposed to your survival. But I think I think that's kind of my point is that if the game ends at the first point, then I empathize with all of these characters. I feel for all of them. I wouldn't necessarily do what they did, but I do feel terrible for all of them. They've been through some shit. But when the rest of the game continues, at that point, like I'm just kind of done because they've all been given a second lease on life and Ellie decides to just kind of throw it all away and I'm supposed to like, somehow go along for that and i just didn't i didn't buy it i thought it didn't really make a lot of sense and just made her a worse character maybe but also like she had a second chance if you if you look at it a different way she had a second chance to learn a lesson that she should have learned and there will be consequences she and dina will probably never be okay again she doesn't get to grow, watch jj grow up and that sucks uh she missed out on a lot of things because of her quest for revenge but she had a second chance and she chose for one not to kill Lev, and then she chose not to kill Abby, and that that for me was the climax, and that she chose not to kill Abby. And again, that doesn't forgive any of her shitty actions. It doesn't make her a better person. But it's like, okay, like you know what? Not every one of us learns the lesson we're supposed to learn on our first outing. And 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 uh, Ellie did some really shitty things, especially. I agree with you, especially after she should have maybe learned her lesson the first time, but. She had a second chance to learn that lesson, and she chose not to kill anybody. And that doesn't make her a hero at all, but it does make her human. And it does. I do. I do see that she chose to not, not murder anybody that second time. And the consequence. I mean, there are consequences. Like I said, she's she's probably never going to have that happily ever after that she basically had before the epilogue. I'd argue she had a whole other opportunity because when they go back to the movie theater, they're going home. They've already decided not to kill Abby. I think we're saying the same thing. Right. Like, well, no, because like they're given, so they decide they're not going to kill Abby, but then Abby mm-hmm. shows up and Abby has an opportunity to kill them and lets them go. Yeah. Right? We're talking about the same and thing. Then, that, that's well, the first well, option. Okay. Well, then the second, the second time though is when Ellie and Tommy talk off camera about how they're going to, to make her pay. So they've already unlearned the lesson that they learned at that point. Okay. That's a fair point. Right. And then a couple of months, I don't know, is it two, three months go by or something like that for the ep- for when the epilogue starts? It looks like a year because yeah, Dina wasn't that yeah. pregnant. Oh yeah, right, right, right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you're totally right. Yeah, it has to, it has to be more like nine months to a year. Um, so like so then you have like yeah, like a year goes by and they 
have to learn that lesson again and then she goes off again and then has to learn it a few months later again like it's just it's the same thing over and over and i just at that point i think it just kind of lost its power for me which is which is fair it's completely fair and i'm not arguing that ellie is a good person i don't yeah i i have a lot of issues with ellie especially during the epilogue but i also think same that trauma and healing is messy. Um, like I have learned, I should have learned a lot of lessons several times before now, but that I'm learning now, but I'm like, oh, this would have been a lot easier if I learned it earlier. It's not as dramatic as her, as, as Ellie and uh, Abby, but yeah, I do see why she needed to do this for herself. However, I do also see why what she did was so incredibly shitty. And she broke Abby's, not Abby. She broke Dina's heart, therefore breaking JJ's heart because JJ saw her as another mom because he didn't know any better. He didn't know any different. And yeah. um, it was selfish on her part. It's extraordinarily selfish and it's harmful and it's hurtful. And I think that that is a decision that she, if we're talking as if she's like a normal human and like our realm, that like she will continue to live with and grapple with and hate herself for. And so like Ellie sucks by the end of this game. She sucks. I love Ellie to death, but I really fucking hate her decisions. Um, and I'm not being like, no, it's fine because trauma, because trauma can make people do awful, awful things that I will, it explains it, it doesn't excuse it. And I think that's where I'm at with Ellie. Like what she did was shitty and awful, but I get why she did it, but it doesn't make it okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you there. I agree. And so like without here, and again, like if we're gonna like villainize but if we're gonna villainize ellie on like oh like she had to learn a lesson three times fuck her like well then guess what fuck me because there's been plenty fuck of lessons me too, I, I should have learned but they're different lessons too. man like she's committing mass murder right like that's right. why i think it's a it's a careful conversation because we're talking about the mistakes that we've made like most of them wouldn't like get you the electric chair you know what I mean? Like, but also we're not living in like, I mean, not yet. Anyways, we're not living in an apocalypse yet. Like the, the, this is a metaphorical conversation that's supposed to, I mean, it is and it that. isn't like, she's not, I'm not talking about the murders where she was defending herself or the clickers that she's killed. Right. Or anything like that. I'm talking about the people she straight up went to murder, planned to murder, had goals set to murder and spent weeks trying right. to find, right. Like that, that's a different type of, decision than the things that we've made we've yeah we've the three of us have all made mistakes over the years that i'm but sure we're not, we're not proud of. serial killers but like yeah yeah we're not we're not mass murderers or am i <laughs> <laughs> all right well we had a bit of a technical glitch uh but we're all back we're here and due to the technical glitch we're just going to kind of start and wrap things up here a little bit anyway because uh, we are way over time because we just have so much to say about this game it's massive um so we'll just go around we'll each kind of just provide some final thoughts um and morgan we'll start with you uh, what else, what are your kind of your final thoughts on the game is there anything else you really want to make sure that you get mentioned for the last of us part two yeah um 
I, the horror elements in the survival horror, because it is a survival horror, were excellent in this game. The way they introduced the stalkers and being like very kind of almost paranormally kind of with fear, the game, like the game series fear, it was so incredibly effective and it was so terrifying and I was actually like nervous playing it and I just really wanted to spotlight the way they did the horror in the brief instances where they did it better in like maybe an hour's worth of gameplay than actual horror games do in 30 hours and it was absolutely outstanding. Yeah, that's that's fair. It was definitely really intense a lot of the time. Um, and a lot of the new movement they brought in, I thought really helped being able to like crawl on your stomach, oh gosh, like through yeah. the grass um, yeah. or like underneath like a train car or something like that uh, was just, it opens up a lot of new options and possibilities, mm-hmm. you know, that games don't normally have. What'd you think of the bloaters guys? The kind of the, the big, or not the bloaters, the shamblers, excuse me. Oh God. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> terrifying and painful (laughs) yeah yeah essentially terrifying and painful they were there and when you figured out how to beat them um they became pretty easy and more of an annoyance which was frustrating but i really liked how you could misunderstand what a bloater was versus what a shambler was and you're just like oh it's a shambler and then you're like oh no fuck this is a bloater so so wait how are you supposed to beat them because i never found an easy way to do it uh, it's really easy with, like, shotguns. Like, two, like, two or three shotgun blasts, they're done. Okay. I kept using all of my, like, uh, my pipe bombs and Molotovs. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Shotguns are definitely the way to go with those. There were a few opportunities where if I could avoid them, I would. So, like, there was, there was one point where you're in a bar and, um... There were two, you know, yeah, there was just the one shambler, but I was like, okay, like if I can sneak around this guy, I'm just going to do it. Uh, and, and I did, and I was glad, like, I was so relieved once I like saw like the little auto save go off in the corner of my screen. <laughs> so I'm like, oh good. I don't have to go back and deal with that guy anymore. Uh, Zach, what about you? What are some final thoughts or, or things you want to call out? Yeah. I mean, for me, ultimately at the end of the day, like it was a terrifying game to play from game, you know, from a survival horror standpoint. I agree with everything that Morgan just said. Um, and that was huge. It was definitely the most intense survival horror experience I've had. Um, but end of the day, what sticks with me and what I will probably always remember about Last of Us 1 and 2, but especially the second game, uh, is just the the moral ambiguity and the fact that it made me uh, examine a story from multiple standpoints and... Uh, I, I would love to play more video games here on end that 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 force me to not just say fuck this guy they're the bad guy because the first two minutes tells me they're the bad guy and I have to defeat them like I mean I would love to play more games where not all games like sometimes you just want to play a quick easy Mario versus Bowser but um, but but I do appreciate these games that take the time to tell a narrative where you're like ah, I get the point of views of you know multiple characters or multiple factions and i i don't walk away saying there was a hero or villain i just walk away saying yeah that was messy and complicated because that's that's how life is and so i appreciated that and and, and what the game this game brought to the table uh, i thought it was fairly innovative from what i had seen before so well if you ever feel the need to really play as a villain there's always untitled goose game 
So true. Yes. So true. Highly recommend. Terrifying villain. (laughs) So for me, I just want to touch on some of the technical stuff. I think the set pieces in this game are just maybe the best I've ever played in a video game before. Uh, Just every building, the way they're constructed, the the rooms that you can go into, the way just you know you can squeeze underneath and through tight areas or crawl under. uh, It's just so thought through, and the detail is so incredible. Uh, There's like there's a room that you're in. There's like a PlayStation that's hooked up to a TV, you know, with yeah. games or, you know, people have like their laptops out. Like people left all this stuff, but there's no, there was a D and D room. Did you guys catch that? Yeah. Or like yeah. Or was it Warhammer or something like that. And yeah, like, yeah. Like it's so cool. Like these people's lives were really fleshed out. There's posters on the walls and people have books and stuff. And um, it, the, the details incredible. It really is. And you know, you're in like, just like that, that hotel, for example, is like 19, you're on like the 19th floor, I think, or something like that when yeah. you start and you have to kind of move your way down. It was kind of like the opposite of the raid. Um, and you yeah. know, every time you drop a floor, there's going to be more infected clicker type things somewhere. So I love that. Like when they're, they're popping out of the wall in certain parts of the game, oh where they've God. like grown yeah. into the wall. You know, I, I found myself like just always shooting anything like that, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, just like the set pieces are just incredible. Uh, you know, things are more overgrown. The water section. Oh, yeah. Water's beautiful. The way they handle water in this game is unbelievable. Yeah, oh, yeah. Just across the board, whether so it's realistic. like you're, you're swimming in the storm or like you're in the boat or just uh, early on when you're like riding the horse through water and like creeks and stuff, it's gorgeous. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't think it can be overstated just how good of a job all of the graphics people did. This game just looks incredible. A lot of love went into it. Um, yeah, just amazing. But I think that's that's probably it for me. Um, this was a lot. We obviously talked for a really long time here. We didn't even touch on on everything uh, for sure. But uh, this the was good. Three of us don't get together unless it's a big, heavy video game conversation. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know. Yeah. Uh, but we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Uh, if Morgan, if people wanted to, to reach out and talk to you about video games or cosplay or anything else that, that you're into, how many people find you, your work, that type of stuff? Yeah. Um, I am on Instagram. I have two Instagram accounts, um, one for modeling. So if you guys are fans of just modeling things and editorial stuff, it's, uh, Morgan underscore Simone official. Um, and if you guys are interested in cosplay and just general nerdy things, then I have an Instagram account and another cosplay account that is at Morgan.Volpe, V-O-L-P-E. And Zach, if people want to talk to you about video games or Doctor Who or Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, yes, all, important, <laughs> all the important things, the Holy Trinity right there. How, how can they do that? Uh, at Avengers DS on Twitter, or uh, I've got the same handle on Instagram. So find me there and let's chat. You can also find Zach on uh, Red Shirts and Runabouts, which is our Star Trek show here on the Heroes Podcast Network. He is he's joined a bunch of times before, but he's also joining us for the ten episode stint of Star Trek Lower Decks, which is the new animated show on that CBS All Access. He's uh, joining us for all ten episodes of that, so you can check out red shirts and runabouts and uh that's it so thank you guys for joining i'm sure we'll have you on again to talk about something just as happy as (laughs) 
our last two topics <laughs> only the sad messed up games thank you yay we'll have to find something that's like the exact polar opposite next time i don't know animal crossing but you've already done that <laughs> yeah I've done, I've done animal crossing yeah sorry right. but no, that's we'll, okay we'll find something thank you guys for joining me yeah it was a good time thank you all right well there you have it our in-depth spoiler cast for the last of us part two from naughty dog Things got a little heated towards the end there. I hope you enjoyed the the conversation. And if you have any thoughts of your own, please reach out to us. You know, talk to us about the game. Did you did you play both of them? Did you just play this one or just the first one? Do you have any thoughts? Have you tried any of the game modifiers or graphics modes? I'd love to hear your first hand accounts of these new features that came in the upgrades in the update. Excuse me. But that's going to be it for us. This week for this episode of Gamer Heroes, we will be back soon. We've got lots of topics coming down the pipe, including gamer parents, how parents who are gamers have adjusted their gaming to fit their lifestyle with kids. We're also going to be discussing the legendary run from Fallout 76. Its first season wraps up in the middle of September, so we'll be discussing that. We're going to do another in-depth conversation on Halo vehicles with, you know, warthogs and banshees and ghosts, so my, all that kind of cool stuff. Lots more coming down the pipe, hoping to touch on Cyberpunk 2077 sometime after it releases, since its release got pushed to November. All right, game on, everyone. Gamer Heroes is produced by the Heroes Podcast Network and hosted by me, Derek Mayer. Follow me at the Star Trek Dude on Twitter. You can subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Podcast Addict, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at GamerHeroesPod, or Facebook and Instagram at Heroes Podcasts. Stream our latest episodes and catch other HPN shows on our website, heroespodcasts.com. Game on.